uh, go for launch. Five. Quiet, numbskulls. I'm broadcasting. Anything can happen in the next half hour. Four. My friend, we cannot keep this a secret any longer. This whole thing is insane. Three. Quiet, please. I am analyzing. Where's the kaboom? Two. There was supposed to be an earth-shattering kaboom. One. killed the wolf. Well, there's no crime in that, is there? The wolf was Balaam. You think I don't know the difference between a wolf and a man? Balaam became a wolf, and you killed him. A werewolf can be killed only with a silver bullet, or a silver knife, or a stick with a silver handle. You're insane. I tell you I killed a wolf, a plain, ordinary wolf. Take this charm, the pentagram, the sign of the wolf. It can break the evil spell. Evil spell. Pentagram. Wolfbane. Oh, I'm sick of the whole thing. I'm going to get out of here. Whoever is bitten by a werewolf and lives becomes a werewolf himself. Oh, quit handing me that. You're just wasting your time. The wolf bit you, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah, he did. Wear this charm over your heart always. Go now. And heaven help you. Even a man who is pure in heart and says his prayers by night may become a wolf when the wolfbane blooms and the autumn moon is bright. <laughs> Greetings, my fellow galactic travelers, and welcome back to Planet 8. This is your mission commander, Larry, speaking to you from our hidden base. Chief Engineer Bob is here by my side, as always, in the command center, and circling Planet 8 in our orbital spy satellite is Reconnaissance Officer Karen. And on this episode of Planet 8, we are going to be talking all things lycanthropy. That's right. Werewolves have landed on Planet 8. Straight away, let's kick it up to the satellite. Karen, what can you tell us about werewolves and their lore? Well, it's very important, especially this year, to know about werewolves because, Larry, we're going to have 13, count them, 13 full moons. Shut in the front door. Yes. Uh, very unusual. We're going to have 13 full moons, and two of them will be in October. Wow. And one will Excellent. be on Halloween. Excellent. Wow. Yes. Lucky number so, 13 as well. So this is a year that should be full of werewolves. So watch <laughs> out when you, you go out and the full moon is out. Um, but actually werewolves, the belief in werewolves and in, in people turning into wolves has been around a long time. I, I did a little bit of research and apparently um, the, the earliest recorded uh, mentions of this goes back to the Greeks, of course, mm. uh, where we get the term uh, lycanthropy. And uh, if you look around, though, in various cultures, wherever, basically wherever there were wolves, there's this idea of human beings turning into wolves. You know, in other cultures with different types of predators, you know, they might turn into jaguars or tigers or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, but the the term werewolf comes from Old English, where were uh, meant man, and you can figure out what wolf stands for. <laughs> um, so the idea of shape shifting has been around in a lot of different cultures, and the the reason somebody might turn into a werewolf varied from culture to culture. You know, it could be a, a curse. Uh, it could be somebody forming a, um, uh, an allegiance with satanic powers. Uh, it could be some, you know, something as weird as like uh, one thing was putting on a wolf pelt and then turning into a wolf. So there are all sorts of ways somebody might turn into a werewolf. Hmm. Um, you know, uh, so one of the most famous uh, uh 
cases of uh, werewolf in, in France, they, they call them the loup-garou. Mm. And it was considered usually to be uh, someone who had been cursed by a witch. Um, there was a famous uh, situation in the 1700s. Uh, this village was plagued by what they thought was a werewolf. It was called the Beast of, and my, I don't speak French, I, I think it was Gévedon, uh, where some 80 men, women, and children were killed by this thing. Um, and it it was actually later on uh, a movie called The Brotherhood of the Wolf, a French movie in 2001 was made based on this. It was really a crazy movie. I've seen this film. It's really interesting. Mm. Uh, it had Brandon, I think Mark Descascos actually in it as a Native American kung fu artist. Anyway, it's, it's worth seeing. Um, kung fu werewolves, film. I'm in. Um, but so, you know, the werewolf legends are all over the place. And a lot of times, especially in Eastern Europe, werewolves and vampires are closely mm. associated. So that's another thing. Um, and then, you know, all sorts of different lore about how you can uh, stop werewolves. There's some where there was some uh, strange legends where like in Finland, if you, uh, you know, shouted at them, you know, harshly, <laughs> it stopped being werewolves. So. Uh, it just varies from culture to culture, you know, mm. all the associated uh, lore that goes with them. And then a lot of the modern ideas we have about um, werewolves really go back to the 1941 The Wolfman film. So a lot of the ideas we have about, you know, the full moon and all that uh, tend to be more um, made up. So, uh that's that's uh, pretty much what I've got for the the lore of the werewolves. Almost anything you could imagine about a werewolf, it's it's probably been thought of already by some culture somewhere. It's interesting the uh, the comment you made about vampires and werewolves, kind of like the myth, the mythology kind of crossing over because uh, Dracula appeared as a wolf, you know, throughout the yes the story and uh, whether it's the film or the book, so. Uh, yeah, that's he kind can of, turn into a wolf, control <clears throat> wolves, yeah. Yeah, creatures of the night, you know, how sweet the sound and whatnot. Blah, so, yeah. the music they make. Well, you know, uh, we, we found out something before we started recording. Bob, Chief Engineer Bob, you know, Karen and I were talking about uh, the one of the first uh, werewolf films and Bob please enlighten the listeners what was the first uh, werewolf film well going into this I thought it was werewolf of London we all did yeah right Karen and but, I were mm-hmm. no there was actually a movie in 1913 that's 1913 <laughs> it was a silent film called the werewolf and it was distributed by Universal huh so huh. they got into the game really early but it was about it was about a gypsy woman who taught her daughter how to shapeshift hmm. so she could become a wolf and exact revenge against her husband who abandoned her. Interesting. And uh, there was no real special effects or makeup in it. They basically shot the actress and then they shot a real wolf and just did a camera dissolve hmm. uh, in between the two. Well, I guess they didn't do camera dissolves back then. It was a film yeah. editing dissolve between the two. Uh, it was only like 18 minutes long, mm-hmm. but the film and negative, everything, all the prints were lost in a studio fire at Universal oh. in 1924. So hmm. maybe why this isn't too well known. But yeah, the, basically after that, it was Werewolf of London uh, in 1935 with Henry Hull. Yeah. Right. And uh, Jack Pierce did as much makeup as he could. Because Henry Hull figured that uh, he could emote better with less makeup <laughs> on, so it just became like fangs and a little bit of little bit of fur here and there. Right. But uh, it wasn't until Lon Chaney took over the Lon Chaney Jr. took over the role that Jack Pierce was able to go to town and get all his yak hair out and make him up, you know, to be the Wolfman that we all know and love today. A proper werewolf. But I mean, really, yep. you know, the, the werewolf movies were pretty spread out back then. Because aside from the Universal sequels like Frankenstein meets the Wolfman mm-hmm. and House of Dracula and House of Frankenstein and Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein, there weren't really any other werewolf movies until 1956's The Werewolf, mm. which was uh, 
pretty interesting. And then, of course, my favorite of all time, 1957, Michael Landon, I Was a Teenage Werewolf, which I consider, like, the best werewolf makeup ever in the history of the universe. (laughs) So. Um, but then, yeah, but then you've got Oliver Reed in Curse of the Werewolf. That was like 1961. That was Hammer, right? That was Hammer. Yeah. And then, you know, they were still kind of spaced out. We got Werewolf in a Girl's Dormitory in 1961. <laughs> uh, we've got Werewolves on Wheels in 1971, which I actually watched the other night. Oh. If you haven't seen it, it's actually pretty good. You are uh, dedicated, Chief. Oh, it's good. <laughs> a werewolf motorcycle movie. What, what more do you want, you know? Um, then basically, about 60, well, Munster Go Home. Oh, remember? you're yeah. right. Yep. Because Herman okay. gets seasick. Right. And Grandpa tries to give him some seasick pills, and he wouldn't take it. So Grandpa popped one just to show him <laughs> that it was okay and realized he mixed it up with his wolf pills. <laughs> so he becomes a wolf and runs around the deck on the ship until he gets captured and put in a cage, and Lily has to go and get her father out of the cage. Um, and then there are things like The Boy Who Cried Werewolf. Uh, that was 1973. And then, of course, Paul Nashi down in South of the Border, he had like a dozen werewolf movies where he was known as uh, Hombre Lobo. And uh, then after that, you know, it was kind of scarce until you hit like the big boom with Howling and mm-hmm. American Werewolf in London and Wolfen and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And that's and like Howling these, had like 50 million sequels too, right? I was going to say all these different studios came on board because initially it was just Universal pumping out the, the Lon Chaney Jr. stuff. And then... Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. And then, uh, well, I was a Teenage Werewolf was American International. That was American International. Yeah. But then after that, uh, you know... Right. But that kind of, you know, that was hitting a fad at the time because mm. uh, teen rock and roll movies were big at the time. Right. Uh, started by like Blackboard Jungle and all that. And then uh, AIP was trying to make movies that basically appealed to the teenage crowd and the, the ones that were going and hanging out of the drive-in and all that. So uh, yeah. that's why they made I Was a Teenage Werewolf. Not to be mistaken for Teen Wolf, which always <laughs> ticks me off. He mentioned, hey, there's this great movie. I was a teenage werewolf. And they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, Teen Wolf. No, not Teen Wolf. I was a teenage werewolf. But, uh, oh, that was the guy from Back to the Future. No, it was the guy from right. Little House on the Prairie. Oh, okay. My Michael bad. J. Fox. No, Michael Landon. <laughs> but no, Michael Landon did a great, you know, I always hearken back to Lon Chaney and his tortured performance as Larry Talbot. Mm-hmm. But Michael Landon does a great job. And I was a teenage werewolf because he's like a troubled teen and getting in fights. And they send him to a psychiatrist who's played by Whit Bissell, mm. one of the perennial scientists throughout, yeah. <laughs> throughout films. And uh, he basically experiments with him with a drug that takes him back into his primitive state. Mm. Uh, and you would think, you know, you go back to your primitive state, you'd be an ape or something, right? But no, he he was a werewolf. Wolf. The wolf. Well, the, the guy in Monster Squad uh, ah. who plays a werewolf is also yeah. really good at that tortured kind of werewolf uh, thing. Man. He was sort yeah. of like a modern uh, Larry Talbot. That Monster Squad, that that's like, I haven't thought about that for like years. That's a good one, Karen. Uh, my friend Barry Evans and I, we went to the Alamo Draft House in San Francisco and they had a reunion of oh. Monster Squad and they had like three or four of the cast members there and we watched the movie and huh. everybody like in unison in the audience when the scene came up, Wolfman's got Nars. <laughs> everybody yelled it out. It was, was pretty cool. But, recently? Uh, I'd say it was like two years ago. Oh, wow. Yeah. I missed that. Fairly recently. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, you also, one thing that Lieutenant and Debbie and I watched last night was Johnny Quest. And they had Werewolves, uh, Werewolf of the Timberland episode, Hmm. which is basically they're up near a logging camp where the loggers are filling logs with gold. They're like gold smugglers. Hmm. And in order to frighten people away, uh, the head logger Pierre 
<laughs> would dress up as Loop Garu and would, uh, you know, scare people off. The Loop Garu. I like that name. Oh, uh, yeah, that's my favorite werewolf name. Anyway, so, um, you know, basically he just has a, a wolf pelt on and he goes to, you know, he tries to scare away Dr. Quest and Race uh-huh. Bannon, but uh, Johnny and Haji, who are out searching for Bandit, who ran off, are befriended by this Indian and uh, and his wolf, Gray uh-huh. One. So his wolf actually attacks Pierre and uh, huh. and thwarts the whole scheme. But uh, but that was really, you know yet another great Johnny Quest episode. But um, yeah, that was definitely. Yeah, and one thing I'll mention about too about Teenage Werewolf is, and I mentioned it um, on our Halloween episode. I think when we were talking about Halloween episodes of TV shows, but Michael Landon's um, "Touched by an Angel" or Hi- "Highway to Heaven." Sorry, "Highway to Heaven." was basically they did an episode Halloween episode called I was a middle-aged werewolf and he donned the makeup once more for sequences that were in his uh, his partner's dreams where he kept dreaming that uh, he was turning into werewolf interesting so very cool well Karen in in researching for this episode what little um, vignettes or films did you uh, come across or uh, have time to watch well, I guess I, I was more interested really in sort of why the werewolf is so appealing. Mm-hmm. Um, and it really, you know, you guys went over like a ton of different films. But I think, you know, thinking about the common denominator there is is this idea of transformation. Um, I think the appeal of the werewolf, what's fascinating is the idea that somebody undergoes a transformation and it, and it's a transformation to this bestial state right Mm -hmm. so in some ways even though it's kind of horrific it's also allowing people to do things that we wouldn't normally do like attack people (laughs) eat people Uh, yeah i think that's that's the main thing because you know the most successful werewolves were ones that were portrayed by actors who in their human form were regretting what they did, did not want to do what they, you know, they don't want to become a wolf. They don't want to kill people. They want to, you know, a lot of them like lock themselves out in jail cells or tie themselves to chairs or whatever to, so that when they transform, they don't go out mm. and wreak havoc. Um, right. Even, even, in, even in Buffy the Vampire Slayer, you had Oz who was a werewolf. And uh, yeah, he would basically... Every full moon, he'd go and lock himself in a cell so he couldn't get out. But um, of course, of course, he did. So yeah, it's that dark side of human nature. It has a lot uh, also in common with the Doctor Jekyll, Mister Hyde story as well, which I think I think Werewolf of London was a lot more like that than a the werewolves we came to know later. but I think that's probably why it's so interesting. One of the, the films I watched, too, really played off that transformation aspect. I watched a werewolf movie. I, I decided I'm not going to go back and watch Wolfman or American Werewolf in London. And as much as I enjoy those films, I, I wanted to watch two I had never seen before. So um, I watched a film I had heard a lot about called Ginger Snaps. Uh, which is a Canadian film made in 2000. So it's still, it's already an old movie, but to Mm. me it's not old because it's not from the 40s or 50s. Um, And this was a film about two sisters, two teenage sisters, um, who, they're kind of outcasts. They have a a morbid fascination with death and and everything. And then uh, one of the sisters, they're out doing some, pranks and stuff and one of the sisters gets uh, attacked by a werewolf and so as the story progresses along she begins transforming but and try to put this delicately for our uh, listening audience um, the transformation is also connected to her changing as a young woman and so they make that connection to the the changes that we experience in adolescence, and it, it made a lot of sense. It was very interesting how they handled that, um, you know. And I think you kind of see the same thing sometimes in stuff like uh, X Men. You know, the X Men get their powers when they're adolescents, and it's tied to all those changes that people undergo in adolescence. Um, 
So it was kind of an interesting story to tie those things together because usually the werewolves, they change when they're adults. Um, and I know they kind of do that with I was a teenage werewolf, but this was like really connected with her changing and I won't get more graphic than that. Mm-hmm. Um, I got hairy back then too. Yeah, well, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it was a good story. Um, I thought that was really an interesting way to go. And uh, I would, uh, you know, recommend seeing it. It was pretty interesting. I will say the effects aren't great. I, they obviously had a limited budget. The werewolf looked kind of rubbery, but, you know, um, I would say check that out. I thought that was pretty interesting if you want to really dwell on that whole transformation aspect of it. Yeah, mm-hmm. what year was that again? That was 2000. And apparently they oh, made okay. like three sequels, but I can't vouch for the quality of the sequels i didn't see those because i did watch silver bullet i did i watched silver bullet too yeah. Yeah. which was based on a stephen king novelette mm-hmm. it's like 128 pages it's got to be the shortest thing he's ever written in his life <laughs> called cycle, cycle of the werewolf but the book is interesting i started i'm about maybe three quarters of the way through it each chapter is a different month mm. and each month has a full moon and uh you know like February is about this woman who's in her room and she's pining for love because she doesn't have it. And, you know, the werewolf shows up in her window and she thinks it's a it's a potential lover and lets him in and gets killed. But so it's almost like, you know, a bunch of short stories, one based on each month, Uh, you know, like July, of course, is based around Fourth of July and Mm -hmm. a kid in a wheelchair that uh, that basically the he's out late because his uh, uncle gave him firecrackers and things and he ends up the werewolf attacks but he ends up throwing all these fireworks in its face and and uh basically uh, blowing out his eye but that was like that little short story that was kind of expanded into silver bullet that was a good movie and uh, then they had you know a couple scenes that touched on the other stories in there but um yeah gary Busey and a very young Corey Haim who was also in lost boys so he was in a vampire film and a oh yeah werewolf film but uh, no, Silver Double Bullet duty. was really good. I was also watched Werewolf Rising, which was a, uh, I think it was like from a couple of years ago. And it was obviously kind of an independent film, but uh-huh. it had its moments. It was pretty good. Uh, I, um, it was something Karen had mentioned earlier. I, I kind of wanted to play with a little. Um, the tortured soul aspect of the, uh, the cursed, whoever that person is turning into the wolf, be it. Larry Talbot or uh, uh, Michael Landon, <clears throat> and they didn't really embrace becoming the wolf. They they regretted all the maiming and the killing and everything that they did. There was a series that came out on Showtime a number of years ago called Penny Dreadful. Oh yeah, and well, the, they had a wolf character whose name was Ethan, and the last name escapes me. Well, but that wasn't his real name. No, no, that wasn't his real name. It turned out to be Larry Talbot. Ah. Mm-hmm. Um, but what was great was that uh, his his father had put out a bounty. They sent out some bounty hunters to uh, bring him home. He was hiding in England, and um, they the bounty hunters were just real bad guys and and had attitudes and and he's like oh okay you know what i'll show you the monster and he turns into the wolf and and just maims the one guy like terribly he survives the other guy he he kills and karen correct me if i'm wrong didn't he kill like everyone else in the bar or was I it just believe the two guys? so there was it was quite a mess that he yeah. left behind because there was um, some regret afterwards uh, for, for the innocent people but uh yeah he 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 definitely uh, regretted the murders and he had a lot of weight on his shoulders but when he transformed he seemed to take great pleasure in what he was doing yeah yeah the only exception to that was when his friend and mentor, they got tricked. Spoiler alert if you haven't seen Penny Dreadful. Uh, Sir Malcolm. No, no, it wasn't Sir Malcolm. It was Sir Malcolm's, um, like, maitre d'. Uh, I can't think of his name. And, and they, he got locked Sim in a Penny. Room. Yes. Uh, anyway, tragic. Another tragic wolf story. Werewolf story. Oh. 
Although the makeup on him was much more like the uh, Werewolf of London yes. type makeup where he was more manlike. Yeah. That that leads me to a question for you guys. What uh-huh. is your preference in werewolves? Ooh, that's is a good it, question. Excuse me? That's a good question. Snout or is no it, snout? Yeah, is it more yeah. wolf-like? Because you can go all the way from they two turn into a, an actual wolf yeah, yeah. or they're sort of a wolf on two legs or they're a man with wolf-like features, you know, there's a gamut. So what's your, what's your preference? Uh, well, you know, right away, I'm, uh, so I'm going over the different kinds of wolves. American Werewolf in London was on all four. Um, there's the Lon Chaney Jr., which he kind of had the, the wolf ankles and, and feet, but stood upright. There's the, the wolf and wolf that was kind of like, and, and like Silver Bullet, uh, a wolf snout and ears, but a furry body. That's the same um, with the howling too. Yeah, the howling too, yeah. right? Um, yeah, the underworld. We haven't even talked about. We can get oh to underworld, God, but underworld, those are that's right, a like whole nother. huge guys. Who? <laughs> and how um, about Twilight? Oh. Were there werewolves in that thing? Uh, yeah, yeah. No, but anyways, they were just yeah. wolves. I am proud to say I've never seen a Twilight movie, but I I had I, to. I've take seen bits and pieces. All, that's all I yeah, need. Because there's like a tribe of wolves and a tribe of vampires or something. I had to take my like niece to that, the first one of that, and the first Harry Potter, and I never visited the films after after <laughs> after that initial viewing. So, uh, um, I, you know, I'm going to be a traditionalist, and I'm going to go with the Lon Chaney, uh, Jack Pierce uh, wolf. If If I had to change, I would change into that one. Hmm. Yeah, for me... Like I said before, I think the greatest werewolf makeup of all was, was I was a teenage werewolf, Michael Landon. So you do um, that for the look or for the jacket? <laughs> both. Both. No, that's, both were cool. It was like the whole ensemble, the whole thing. But yeah, he definitely was a non-snout werewolf up on two legs and, you know, and that. Although I'd say probably the best werewolf transformation would have to be uh, American Werewolf in, in London. That was the most painful, too, I yeah. think. The guy was just in sheer agony. With uh, Creedence what? Clearwater in the background. Uh-huh. How can you do yeah, that? Un- unforgettable. But, yeah, no, I mean, that was... And that was all practical. That wasn't, you know, we're not talking CG. I yeah. mean, they actually had fur that... You know, they had, like, a, a foam casting of David McNaughton's back, or David Naughton's back, and basically had the fur and they pulled it into the foam mm. and then just reversed the film so it looked like it was growing out of it. They use the same effect Brilliant. in uh, Michael Jackson's Thriller. Wasn't it the same uh, yeah. special yeah. effects? Well, that was... Um, well, you know what? It was Rick I, Baker, I think, did that. I'm going to change mine to Michael Jackson's Werewolf. I like that oh. look. <laughs> <laughs> or the kitty at the end of the howling. <laughs> I digress. Okay, okay. That is the only the only <laughs> defect with the howling is D. Wallace's kitty cat at the end. <laughs> I'm sorry. That, that the almost werewolf. It just about ruins it for me. Right, I, well, well, I was down in Hollywood one time. This is an old story. Um, and Keith Aiken and I were going to go out to the Egyptian theater because they were showing the howling. And they were supposed to have D. Wallace... And Robert Picardo oh. and Patrick McNee there. What? And I was like, I'm going to go just to see Patrick McNee because I'm a big Avengers fan. You know, we're talking like real Avengers, you know. The TV show Avengers, hey, not that's the right. game. Okay, <laughs> we just want to make sure. We're talking John Steed, Avengers, Emma Peel. Anyway, um, unfortunately... Patrick McNee like injured his back or something and he couldn't make it. But D. Wallace was there and Robert Picardo and they had some great stories and it's always great to see that on the big screen. In fact, we did at Bay Area Film Events. We did a uh, Halloween show um, back in the late 2000s where we had a family friendly night and a not so family friendly <laughs> night. Family friendly night was Son of Godzilla and Frankenstein meets the Wolfman. Hmm. So we had the Wolfman in there. And then our not-so-family-friendly night was probably my favorite double feature we ever did, The Howling and Motel Hell. Oh. So 
takes all kind of critters to make Farmer Vincent's fritters. Yes, yes. But, uh, yeah, again, that was another chance to see. Because I saw The Howling when it first came out in theaters, and I saw it at the Egyptian, and then I saw it when we showed it. So, um, And I still think today, you know, Dee Wallace's Kitty Wolf aside, I think it really holds up. Oh, no, it's... it's a good film. It's just that one thing. It's not just not so like, much the sequels, but the original that definitely holds up. Well, before we go in, into another uh, direction, Karen, what is your werewolf uh, shape uh, or uh, version of choice? I I tend to go more with the man-like werewolf than the wolf-like werewolf. So I, I've always loved the Lon Chaney Jr., Mm. wolf man i i love how he's like running around in the woods and he's his eyes are darting back and forth and he's just like you, you know he really embodied that well that whole animalistic vibe where he's just like on the prowl mm-hmm. and i and i have to say even though i didn't uh there was a lot that i didn't like mm-hmm. in the wolf man the 2010 uh, remake or revisioning or whatever. I thought that Rick Baker's uh, Wolfman makeup was fantastic. Yeah. See, now that I, that one had a snout, but it wasn't a pronounced snout. Yeah. Right. It was like right. A, it, a, a short yeah. snout. It was. It was just perfect, and he was he was big without being too big. Mm-hmm. He just looked like he could give somebody a a real uh, you know hard time. He was athletic and and powerful and everything um i mean rick baker knows what he's doing oh, so yeah. i mean out of all the uh, universal remakes which all pretty much stunk <laughs> i thought the wolfman benicio del toro i thought the wolfman was good i can continue watching that i can watch that over and over but. i agree I, I don't own the the dvd or blu-ray but if it's on tv uh, I'll watch it. I, I enjoyed it. The sequel actually is pretty good also. You mentioned that hmm. before. I haven't seen yeah, the sequel. It, it didn't it. hit theaters. It was direct to, to Blu-ray or, or whatever. It, it's interesting, the different styles of Werewolf. They're on Shutter TV. Yes, another subscription service. Oh, um, they have I shudder to think. I shudder, yeah. I shudder to pay the $6 a month. Uh <laughs> But they have, um, and um, Greg Nicotero's involved in this, and so that's what kind of drew me into the Creep Show uh, relaunch. And it's kind of like, um, it's an anthology along the lines of the, the revamped Twilight Zone and whatever else they're revamping these days. But there was an episode, um, they're about 20 minutes um, each, and there's two. Um, Two episode or two shows per episode. The first uh, show uh, that they had uh, this was episode two, and it was Bad Wolf Down. The second story was called The Finger, and I'll let your imagination take you where you want with that. But Bad Wolf Down told a story of uh, these World War II American soldiers who get held up in a. Um, a jail, a sheriff's office uh, beyond, uh, behind enemy lines. They're in Nazi Germany. Uh, there's a French woman locked in a cell who has these glowing eyes. And uh, they didn't know she was in there at first. And uh, they hear a bump in the dark in the shadows and they shoot and unfortunately shoot her in the stomach. Uh, but she doesn't die and they don't realize that and nobody speaks French and they go in the jail cell and they try to help her and then the one guy uh, one soldier comes in and he's like oh I kind of understand what she's saying something about werewolf and um, kill her oh no wait she's saying that she's gonna kill us Uh, long story short they figure out she's a werewolf Um, the Nazi soldiers are gonna rush into the jail cell Um, there's this captain who's a real jerk leaves them there to die locks them up the only way to escape is for them to become wolves so they convince her to bite uh, the three soldiers that are remaining the story that I'm getting to is that each person that got bit turned into a different version of a wolf 
One looked like the Lon Chaney wolf. One looked like the uh, werewolf of London on all four. <laughs> and there was another one that looked like the wolf and wolf. And I'm like, that's cool that they want to do, you know, show those different versions of a wolf. But why did they all turn into different ones? Um, so anyway, quick little shout out for Shudder if you have it or if you want to try the, you know, uh, free subscription forever how many days do check out uh creep show um, well that was probably like uh like the werewolf version of the, like the spider verse something like that yeah <laughs> there you go from everywhere. <laughs> well, yeah um anyway well, so yeah that's that, that's interesting that they were um the soldier motif because the the other new movie that i checked out which is not new. I know it's old. People will say that's been around a long time. <laughs> um, was called Dog Soldiers, and it came out oh. in two thousand two. This was yeah. a, uh, I think it was a, a British film. Hmm. Um, so it had these British and Scottish soldiers, and they get sent on a training exercise in Scotland, and it totally goes haywire, um, and they wind up uh, out in this back country and. Uh, they get attacked by werewolves and uh, it had a real vibe in, in some parts cause they take refuge in this farmhouse and it felt a lot like aliens in some ways where huh. they're, they're trying to uh, fortify the farmhouse and the werewolves are outside and the werewolves are very much like the sort of underworld type werewolves and uh, you know, they're fortifying it and then they're fighting them off and, but it, it was really entertaining. I actually I enjoyed it uh, quite a bit. Uh, and there was nothing nothing from the perspective of the werewolves. So you never see them, you know, as people going, oh, you know, I feel so bad that I'm turning into a werewolf or anything. You got the impression that, no, these people enjoy what they're, you know, doing. Or maybe they don't. But they, as a wolves, they were, you know, heartily tearing apart people and eating them and stuff. So, uh, huh. yeah, that was another one. If you want more of an action film feel for your werewolves, <laughs> then I, I would say Dog Soldiers Always. was a good one. You know, I will say as a kid, um, we would watch, uh, I want to say it came on Sundays, um, Leonard Nimoy would narrate In Search Of. And they they would touch on so many different things, ghosts, vampires, Loch that was one of my Ness favorite monster. shows. Yeah, right? I, I have the box set at home. Um, but there was one episode, and they talked about werewolves. There is a... It's known as the werewolf syndrome, but it's... And I'm, I'm probably butchering this. Hypertrichosis. Hmm. And um, basically, it's a disease that grows hair basically anywhere on your body, including your face. Ugh. And there's something like 50 cases recorded. I guess it's more of like a mutation. But if you Google it, you're going to see um, these these kids, well, people and kids, adults and kids, and, and they look like werewolves. I mean, they're all smiling and stuff, and it's not a full moon, you know, but... For the rest of their lives, they have, I mean, and it completely covers every aspect of their face. They're high, happy, shiny werewolves. Yeah. I mean, the tip of their nose kind of pokes through, but otherwise the nostrils are covered and everything else. Oh, man. Um, the fun with, that's, uh, what's that, Karen? That's a lot of shampoo you're going to go through. I was thinking conditioner, too, depending on how you, <laughs> um, the, the, the great thing, if you guys have never seen um, In Search Of, Google it. YouTube it, whatever, they would play this eerie, I, I can only describe it as like 70s music and, yep. and it would just synthesizers and it just added to the overall mood of the of the piece that they were um, showing. Um, but anyway, yeah, I wanted to put out that there was a, a, a syndrome and or mutation that possibly fed into the whole mythology of the, the werewolf and the lycanthrope. Well, I guess that also begs the question, where did you see your first werewolf? Ah. And, you know, what was your what was your life growing up like growing up with werewolves? You know, uh, for me, it would be Bob Wilkins' Creature Features. Uh, if, no, 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 it wasn't Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein. Um, it wasn't even the Wolfman. It had to have been like Frankenstein versus the Wolfman or something. 
Frank's Day meets the Wolfman. Meets the Wolfman, yeah. I want to say that was my yeah. first time. How about you, Karen? I, I'm pretty sure it was probably uh, watching uh, Sinister Seymour on KTLA in mm. Los Angeles. Uh, one of the Universal Monster movies. Mm. So I... When I was a kid, I mean, I'm a big fan of uh, the creature now and Frankenstein. But when I was little, Wolfman was my favorite Universal really? uh, monster. Yes. All right. I, I don't know if it had something to do with the fact that, oh, he's like a dog. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe that was probably it. So I he was my favorite. And I, I always loved watching Wolfman. And and then, you know, also there was the groovy ghoulies. That's uh, right. Cartoon. And they had Wolfman there. <laughs> oh, and I, yes. I had a little figure of Gro- of Wolfman from Groovy Ghoulies. So uh, those things are kind mm. of uh, linked in my head as far huh. as early Wolfman memories. Do you still do you still have that? The figure? No, Bob, I can't sell it to you. I don't have it. <laughs> <anymore. laughs> I would have to say for me. It was actually Quentin. Oh. <gasps> On Dark Shadows. Yes. Huh. I'd rush home every day. You know, I, oh, I was Bob, never I was never brilliant. a soap opera guy. Yeah. I never watched, but if I have to sit down and watch the soap opera, it's Dark Shadows. And yeah, I would rush home from school, sit down behind the TV, watch Dark Shadows, and just hope each episode that... I mean, Quentin was in all of them. Yeah. But he wasn't always turning into a werewolf. Right, so, right, you know, right. that was like the big payoff when you see an episode where he would become the werewolf. God, I forgot about that. Dark Plus, he had the really cool sideburns, man. The big old <laughs> mutton shop Elvis type sideburns. So, points for that. But, yeah. Um, yeah, I would say Quentin was probably my first werewolf. Very cool. Did, now, I know my mom watched Dark Shadows, but I, I don't really have memories of it. But... Did they ever have like, uh, did they have the werewolf come into contact with Barnabas? Did they ever fight or did anything ever happen like that? Or was it mostly, you know, very much just like a soap opera? It's all vague memories, but I'm pretty yeah. sure they did at one point. Ooh. I have to Google so that because I, yeah, I watched it after the fact, not when it first came out. I mean, out. I always thought about getting the box set of, of uh, Dark Shadows, but it's like, man, you got a lot of talky episodes I between, know. you know. You do. They only had so much budget, right? So, yeah, um, they couldn't have werewolves and well, I guess Marmus could throw his fangs on whatever he wanted to. <laughs> but um, no, it was I thought it was really cool. Plus, if you think about it, you know that that was a daily show. Yeah, and that went on for how many years? Yeah, it's a lot of work. So there's if you want to binge on that thing, man, there's a yeah, lot of episodes to watch. <laughs> You know, and I was always kind of, I love the Universal movies, Mm -hmm. so I I preface this with, I have great love and affection for them, but, you know, being in the time period we're in now with all of the kind of huge over-the-top effects and stuff, sometimes when I go back, I'm a a little disappointed in some of the fight scenes and stuff, and, and like, you know... I was just thinking of how, like, Wolfman and Dracula and Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein. I mean, they're, they're throwing, like, potted plants at each other. <laughs> it, it's, it's, it's a little disappointing. Uh, you know, Dracula's Spinning bodies like the, in a gurney. <laughs> yeah, it's like, you know, Dracula's the prince of darkness and, you know, vast powers. And, and yet he's sort of, yeah, they're they're pushing that gurney between them. And it's just like, ah, oh, come on, guys. Yeah, Frankenstein meets the Wolfman. There's that great, basically the fight between Frank, the Frankenstein monster and, and the Wolfman. Yeah. There's that great shot where the Wolfman's crouched on top of this big old piece of machinery and uh, Frankenstein's monster just grabs it and, like, Pulls it from under him, yeah, and he falls, and you know the wire work and everything. But I, I always love that scene. Yeah, I, I, I think Karen, I, I agree with you, Karen. It could have, yeah, it's a sign of the times too. I mean, you know, they didn't oh, yeah. have what's going on now. Yeah, it's like Darth and Obi Wan fighting in in the original Star Wars, and then you know what they did in the last film or whatever. So I don't know. I still like that fight. So maybe I'm inconsistent. I don't know. <laughs> Well, who do you so? Okay, if we do set up the Dracula versus the Wolfman or right. vampires versus werewolves, where where are you where are you siding? A team wolf or team whoever? Yeah. Uh, team wolf, team bat. <laughs> that that's your. Uh, I would I would go team uh, team wolf. Okay. 
But only when there's a full moon. Otherwise, he'd, I, he's I was going to say, yeah. there better be a full moon. <laughs> um, I'll, I'll preface with saying, you know, we're all monsters. Can't we just get along? But, you're, okay. You're so good, Larry. You're so good. <laughs> but a werewolf is more of a monster than a vampire. Come on. Werewolf. Well... You know, a, a vampire is a vampire, and they're inherently evil. I mean, you know, a werewolf, you could have got bit. It might not be, you know, what you want to be or do, and, and you're just stuck. So, um, I don't know. But you um, have, like, vampires that run around and drink, like, pig's blood, or they grab blood out of hospitals or something, and so they don't have to, true. like, kill people. So yeah. There are some vampires with a conscience. I'm, I'm thinking... Yeah. Uh, God, what was that movie in the 70s? And it was George Love at First Bite. Anyway, um, I digress. I, 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 I'll go with Team Wolf. Karen? Yeah. Well, I, I, I like the werewolves better than the vampires. Yeah. It, de- it depends on how many powers the, the vampires have in a given universe, though, because... If they've got like you know full on Dracula at his peak powers, wow! I don't I don't know if a like if you had a, a Christopher Lee Hammer films badass Dracula, hmm. I, I don't know if a werewolf is taking that guy down. That's that's pretty much peak monster performance. Th- but this- I. I'll go with the underdog. I'll go with the werewolf. This is true. You bet. You know, and Bob had said before it has to be a full moon. Well, if you're going to fight a vampire, it better be at night, not not at noon. So well, there, the, there's yeah, but the vampire's not going to be out at noon either. Yeah, except for those. Uh, what are the glowing ones? The what's that movie? Uh, the Twilight. <laughs> yeah. So. Oh boy. Yeah. Well, you know, well, one thing. Not- one thing we didn't touch on yet, which we did <clears throat> touch on on a previous episode, yes. but. There's also the werewolf episode. Godzilla. Kolshak the Night Star. Oh, my God. Yes. Out yes. on the cruise ship with Dick Gautier. One of my favorites, actually. <laughs> um, and the way that they filmed that episode, you can't tell that they're on a cruise ship or back of a office building. It's like yeah. very. Well, that's probably where they were. <laughs> but there were shots that gave it away as a cruise ship. But, I mean, yeah. I mean, basically. Definitely, you know, that was a good that episode. and the zombie were my two favorite Cole Shack episodes. Yeah. And uh, yeah. and again, that was another man wolf type werewolf minus snout and you know, bunch of hair. Very true. Well, I, I don't know if uh if you watch this or not, Bob, but I know Karen and I have talked about um Oh God, I'm gonna butcher it. Not what we do at night. It's what oh, we do, what in, we the do shadows. in the shadows. Yeah, where they fight the wolves. Oh, that. Oh, it's oh, hilarious. It is just, and the wolves. You know, they 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 don't like the vampires, so they go and they, you know, have a very pungent urine, and so they like come out of that. Damn werewolves have peed in the lawn again. You could, oh my <laughs> God. <laughs> so that, that's yeah, that, an honorable mention for me. Um, those oh, those yes. wolves are are hilarious. Uh, I, was try, I was trying to look it up. Who was the wolf guy in uh, in Underdog? Remember he had the TV one, show? one of his arch nemesis was a uh, yeah. a gangster slash wolf. I can't yeah. even think of his name. All, all I know is Simon Bar Sinister. Yeah, well, it wasn't Simon Bar Sinister. It wasn't Overcat. Uh, Riff Raff. <laughs> Riff Raff. It was Riff Raff was the wolf gangster in Underdog. Wasn't there a werewolf cereal? Let's say because fruit we had, brute. Yeah, fruit yeah. brute. There you go with fruit, the frankenberries right? and stuff. That's right. He's he's very lighthearted. <laughs> yes, <laughs> we would eat those cereals, uh, watching Speed Racer and Underdog and all that good stuff. I. I had a thought when I was I was driving uh, home this morning, getting ready for the podcast. Mm. I was thinking uh, I had a misconception and I fixed it. But I was thinking Nick Cage would play a great werewolf because he's already he has his acting style has become so <laughs> frenetic and, and freaked out. And I thought he could do that manic like I'm going to turn into a werewolf thing. <laughs> So, so who else would we want to see play a werewolf? That's my vote. Well, that's a great, 
uh, that's a great choice. That's a great question. And of course, without missing a beat, I'm going to say Bill Shatner. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. Yes. At the age he is now. Yes. 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 (laughs) I can't believe it's a full moon. I'm turning into a werewolf. Uh, when, when we're done with this, I have a question for you guys to close it out. Bob, I don't, I don't you... think I could top that one. <laughs> um, we have them meet Nick Cage and Bill Shatner. Yeah, well, there you go. <laughs> You've got a problem with being a werewolf. I've got a problem with being a werewolf. <laughs> let's let's go with Hugh Jackman. Oh, Hugh Jackman. Wow, okay. What the heck? That, that's, that's Wildly ripped and He's not really going to want to be uh, Wolverine anymore, so I might as well be a werewolf, yeah, we'll right? Transition over. Maybe he can be man-wolf. He, he didn't know when he took that role that a Wolverine was an actual animal. He thought it, they were he, he thought they were doing a play off the, the word wolf. Oh, wow. Yes, yeah, a little trivia for you. Wolf here. Marine. There's a new movie for you. Well, well, before we get into our censor sweep, let me ask you guys, who was an actor who portrayed a werewolf that probably shouldn't have taken the part? <laughs> oh, geez. Yeah, I'll, I'll start it off. I'm going to say Jack Nicholson. Yeah. I, I just, I don't know. I did, didn't work for me. Yeah. I can't go for a specific, mm-hmm. but... There is a TV show that I love that I really hate the way they portray werewolves. And that's supernatural. Ah. They just have like big teeth. They don't have fur. They don't have it. The only (laughs) thing they have is big old teeth. Budget wise. I guess. But um, like I say, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, they they could turn Oz into a werewolf every now and then. So if you're going to have a werewolf pop up in your TV show now and then, you might as well, you know, throw some fur on the face. Right. They well, do a bunch of other cool monsters and creatures and things, but they just can't get those werewolves right. I'm I'm going to go with, I, I really didn't uh, like Benicio Del Toro's performance in The Wolfman. I know, oh. I know, <laughs> Bob, but the thing is, I never felt sympathy for him. I, I didn't feel an, any attachment to him. He felt weird and untrustworthy. <laughs> And just like a strange guy, I just did, I couldn't I couldn't form an attachment to his character. So I'm that's where I'm that's that's what I said. I said it, and I'm yeah, done. Done. You, you couldn't empathize with the tor- sheer torture he was going through and the torment. No, of, ha- of like having to, of having to do a Universal <laughs> Monster remake. <laughs> I like I, Karen's answer. He seemed like an a hole. <laughs> He, he made good money off of it too. So either way, I can't I can't sympathize with it. Well, kids, this brings us to our censor sweep portion, censor sweep portion of the show, and um, this show is about werewolves. So how to transition werewolves into the censor sweep? Yours truly has this uh, episode censor sweep. In Star Wars, in the Cantina, there was a character named Lack Sivrak. Was a member of the Shistavian species, basically a <laughs> werewolf in space. There you go. I, I I, thank that. you very much. I, I was able, uh, fortunate enough to go with uh, Lieutenant Jasmine to um, the new Star Wars um, Planet of Batu, uh, Galaxy's Edge experience at Disneyland a couple weeks ago. And I will tell you, uh, it was not that crowded. We could not get into the Rise of the Resistance uh, experience. It's not really called a ride. Um, You had to be at the park at like 8 a.m. sharp, and they only give out so many passes because the, the ride takes about 20 minutes to go through the Rise of the Resistance, and it breaks down, and they're still trying to do whatever. So unfortunately, we didn't do that, but we did got yeah, we did get to ride uh, the Millennium Falcon, uh, which was amazing. Uh, I promised my wife I would not cry going to Star Wars Land, and, and I, <laughs> I did tear up a little, but I did not weep at tears of joy. Um, we drank blue milk. We uh, it, it is something else. They it, It's like walking into the movie. I, I mean, honestly. Uh, if any of you guys get a chance, any of you listeners get a chance... To, to visit Batu uh, either in California or over in uh, Florida, 
I highly recommend it. Um, I'm a big Disneyland fan. I love, you know, the different rides, New Orleans Square. And we spent almost half our day. We were there for two days uh, going around the uh, the Galaxy's Edge portion of the park. It, it is phenomenal. Um, at one point in time, we were waiting to... It's the only uh, place in Disneyland you can get alcohol. We were waiting to get some drinks at the local cantina. Uh, there's a queue. And I'm sitting there looking at my phone, checking out the weather and whatever. And these stormtroopers come up and ask, what are you doing on that device? And I, I swear to God, I thought I was going to get arrested. Uh, you know, and Jasmine's like, whoa. And they're like, oh, okay, just watch it. Let us know if you see any rebel scum. And we're like, okay, have a nice day. It, it, it's just, it's a lot of fun. Uh, it's a great time. And like I said, if you get a chance to visit, let them know Commander Larry sent you. <laughs> so before we go... I would like to just mention a few little tidbits in Bob Land and Planet 8 Land. Uh, for one thing, Planet 8 is up for our very first Rondo Award. Woohoo! Let's hear it Yay. for Planet 8. Uh, please go to rondoaward.com or you can vote directly to the email that uh, I'm sure Karen will put in the notes for I the will. episode. And vote for Planet 8 for your favorite multimedia website. So they don't have a podcast category, but they put all the podcasts into multimedia websites. Mm. So uh, please vote for us. We're very proud to be up for an award. Thank you guys so much. Also, best website, uh, our other website, Sci-Fi Japan, is up for best website. So please go and also vote for Sci-Fi Japan. And speaking of Sci-Fi Japan, my Sci-Fi Japan partner, Keith Aiken, is coming up to Planet 8 to record in the HQ, and we're going to be doing an audio commentary for Gamera the Brave, Mm. which will be part of an Arrow Gamera 4K box set coming out later in the year. So uh, they have a bunch of cool guys lined up to do audio commentaries on all the films. Keith and I just happen to get Gamera the Brave. And then lastly... My other group, Bay Area Film Events, we're putting on an anime weekend over at the Balboa Theater. And that'll be March 14th and 15th. And uh, you can go to bayareafilmevents.com slash animazing. That's A-N-I-M-E-Z-I-N-G. And all the details will be there. We'll have a bunch of movies, two days, the whole thing. And uh, we definitely encourage cosplay so come out in your favorite anime character and see if you can dress as one I would recognize. <laughs> so anyway, thanks a lot. And we'll see you next time on Planet 8. On that note, this will conclude this transmission from Planet 8. We would like to thank all of our intergalactic audience for listening. Be sure to head on over to our website at www.planet8podcast.blogspot.com where you can get more information on this episode's topic. For more conversation, find us on Twitter at Planet8Cast. Or on Facebook at facebook.com slash planet8podcast. We want to thank you guys for tuning in each and every episode. We look forward to your input and opinions. Until next time, this is Planet8 signing off. End transmission. By George, he's got it. It is the end. Slender enchantress I'd met in the casbah When her green eyes first met mine I was overwhelmed with love Well, we danced all night to the tango And she lured me with her charms As the band played how I prayed
while we danced She swayed like a cobra You could almost hear her hiss As her green eyes hypnotized It was useless to resist Well, she drove me home in her Jaguar And she took me to her room Though it all seemed like a dream It was there I met my doom But when I outed the moon I knew that something was wrong She had me in a spell And I knew it wouldn't be too long Before I'd end up, before I'd end up Here in a prison cell Heaven help you. <laughs>